Greetings, cyberspace. This is episode one of the Double Density Podcast with your hosts, Brian and Angelo. Seeing as though this is the first episode, um, I thought that Angelo and I could sort of give a brief introduction as to who we are and what we plan on doing with this podcast and sort of explore our love of tech and um, our love of uh, the kooks within the paranormal community and sort of go into different kinds of tangents there. So without further ado, Angelo, are you there? I'm here. Perfect. How are you tonight, Brian? I'm fine. And how are you? I'm well. Great. So, Angelo, the age-old question, ASL. What is your ASL, Angelo? So, I'm 39. I'm obviously a male with this voice, I think. I don't know. I hear myself in my earphones and I sound male. And uh, I'm in Montreal. Well, not really Montreal. I'm actually in Mont Saint-Hilaire, which is a UFO hotspot, apparently. Which we'll get into at a later episode, because we have ideas. But suffice it to say, 39, male... Uh, Saints Lair, you work in the higher ed industry. Let's just leave it that way. In the what? In the higher ed industry. Yes. Okay. I do. Sure. And so my ASL is 31 male, and I actually live on the island of Montreal, unlike you who tried to lie to all of our listeners. That's true. I grew up there. I work there, but I don't live there. And why don't you live there? Because it's too expensive to live in the city. I could deal with that. I mean, I'm still renting, right? So I don't really know anything. I also don't have offspring yet i have a cat that's about it so i don't really need to worry about that yeah it's it's also nice living away from the city i do like to go out and look at the stars in the evening as cheesy as that sounds it's kind of fun to look up in the sky and see uh what's up there and we have a nice mountain too we also have a mountain in montreal i don't know if you know that oh yeah it's in the middle (laughs) um so i guess the idea behind this podcast is we talk i mean in our day-to-day lives we talk to each other a lot about different things namely um tech um innovations in tech weird things in tech and also older things in tech which you and i sort of have a nostalgic streak going with a lot of different things we'll often show each other articles or videos and you were recently playing around with um isn't they were mac emulators on archive.org yeah it was really cool they just got those up there a few weeks ago they're uh it brings me back to the uh mid to late 80s and uh going back to the beginning of high school and the elementary school looking at these old computers and what got me really started to be interested in this stuff so you you used max um in elementary school and then same thing in high school or were you sort of so elementary school was more apple twos because i mean look this was the mid 80s we didn't really uh, have uh, a lot of computers available and it was kind of a novelty so we'd play logo and on the apple twos with our green screens uh, but the uh, early Macs, although they came out in 84, I didn't really get a chance to play around with them much until uh, 1989 when I went to high school. And then you continued onwards and you, you were a PC person for a little while and then you came back to the, the Mac family. Exactly. In like 91, I got a, a I think it was a Magnavox PC, 16 uh, megahertz, 386SX with a 1x cd-rom that you actually had to use a cd caddy to put it in there and was there like a, a five a, a five and a quarter disc um, no no five and a quarter just uh three and a half with a cd-rom which took the spot of the normally where it would be occupied by five and a quarter it was a big deal to have a cd-rom yeah no then. kidding uh, i had the encyclopedia the i think it was new groilers encyclopedia or something like that i can't remember the exactly what it was called it wasn't in carta though and uh, we printed many uh, uh, high school science paper off of that. And just instead of just uh, actually typing it ourselves, we would literally print it out of the uh, encyclopedia, cut off the copyright on the top and the bottom, and just stick it on cardboard 
So you're admitting to academic fraud right now. Uh, did I say we? I said some people in my, uh, uh, others. In my class would do that. Right, right, right. Of course. I would never do that. And uh, so that I had that computer for a while. And, uh, it was great. It had a whole 50 megabytes of hard drive space, which would be mostly taken up by uh, Wing Commander 2, which was a big deal back then. Right. Did you have the joystick? I did. I bought one. It came with Commander Keen. Oh, man. That's, uh, that takes me back. Yeah. You know, like growing up, I had a, my first computer was an old CGA, um, five, five and a quarters, um, a lot of shareware. Um, I, there's an old IBM game called Alley Cat that I was fixated on. And I think I mentioned this to you once, but we also, uh, we also somehow ended up with a copy of Leisure Suit Larry, even though it was only seven, it was lying around the house and I tried playing it. Um, but the thing is, it was very frustrating because I didn't understand a lot of the commands that you had to use in order to be able to move around. So it was kind of annoying. And then um, we got our first, we had a Win 3.1 uh, PC, a 92, I want to say, 93. And with See, it I actually... I never actually used Windows 3.1. Oh, you're missing out, my friend. I had uh, GeoWorks Ensemble on that uh, Magnavox. Can, uh, I can look it up on uh, the Wikipedia and put it in our show notes. So you went from there to Win95, I guess? Yep. Okay. So yeah, with the, the first PC I ever got, um, I've never mentioned this to you, and I, I totally don't know why, but we got, uh, I don't remember where we bought it, but the retailer had thrown in a, um, a 10 or 12 set of different kinds of discs, including uh, Encarta and a bunch of other ones. And uh, there were two that were particularly important to my development as someone who used computers. One of them was uh, a, a CD of like 250 shareware games, so Commander Keen was on there, Doom, uh, a great shooter called Raptor, like all the old... I Repo- remember that game. Yep. I remember, and I remember those types of discs. Those are great. That's where I first discovered uh, Wolfenstein 3D. Right. Same thing with me. And uh, so that was great to sort of... But the, the bummer side of that is that you, you it, a lot of them, unfortunately, were not functional for one reason or another. So you just, you kind of booted it up, pick from the list and hope for the best a lot of the time. I remember that quite a bit. I remember there's a weird game where you were a floating ball in a maze and you have to shoot other floating balls in the maze. Was it Faceball? Uh, that rings a bell. Because there, so. there was a game on Super Nintendo that was Faceball 2000. It was basically gigantic balls shooting each other. Yes, I remember that, actually. I think it was something like that. It was a bizarre game, though. I mean, the, the early 90s was kind of the wild west of, of, of both graphical as well as innovative um pc game development right like it's there's a lot of like weird kinds of of no-name titles coming out of nowhere and suddenly hitting it being shareware and then uh, stuff like the seventh guest i don't remember that those early of course yeah like a like a that and mist yeah i remember wanting seventh guest so bad thinking wow that game looks amazing i never played it until much later on i saw it on youtube and it would look like garbage did you also want to play its much gorier spiritual successor, Phantasmagoria? I really wanted to play that. Never played it. I kind of looked at it in magazines, but I never actually got the chance to play. Did you play it? Uh, no, unfortunately. I also spent a lot of my time looking at um, PC and gaming magazines. So quickly getting back, the other disc that was really important in my development was a disc simply called UFO. And on there was a sort of encyclopedia of different UFO encounters, as well as super grainy, low-res MPEGs, you know, encoded in like uh, 64, like KBBS, not even megs per second. You couldn't make anything out, but I spent a lot of time with that disc as a kid. What would a UFO picture be if it wasn't grainy, though? (laughs) That is a very good point. Uh, A fabrication, perhaps? A beautiful Photoshop? No, perhaps. 
back then we uh, Photoshop was just a glimmer in our eye, right? I think. Well, actually, Photoshop. When was that started? Ninety one. Early nineties. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, going back to uh, my um, my movement through the different PCs, it was I had that one in ninety one. Then got a I think a Compaq Presario in nineteen ninety seven. Oh. Yeah, it was a high budget one too. With uh, Windows ninety five was amazing, or I think it was Windows ninety eight possibly. Uh, ninety seven could have been, yeah. Yeah, maybe I don't know. I don't remember. They were all garbage. Uh, thinking back now, and then in ninety and two thousand one, I got a, another PC. Even though I should have gotten a Mac, but the uh, idea of playing games with my friends kind of won out over actually getting a computer that did stuff properly. So at that time, you were playing Doom or Quake. I never actually played Quake. I um, it was uh, I played Doom on my on my PC. It was a lot of um, those old Sierra adventure games. I really liked those quite a bit. Like King's Quest? Yeah, King's Quest, Police Quest. Right. Uh, Simon's Quest? No. <laughs> so uh, during the time that you were enjoying your Presario, we had bought one of the early Pentiums for the house. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and that lasted a couple of years. And then um, the weird thing is I always wanted to, and I think you and I have both discussed this in the past like i want to record sound and music and things and i found that a lot of the times uh windows wasn't as great for that especially given the different drivers and all the sorts of different situations you had going on whereas with a mac it was pretty standard it was plug and play it was very easy to use and i feel like um that problem doesn't exist as much these days in pc culture but it's still sort of around there whereas i feel like uh, most of the time we'll get into your situation right now with your um, Apple related issue uh, in a sec but yeah I just I felt like I wanted to record things and I felt like a Mac was a natural choice for more of the AV stuff it it really was uh, back then I mean now you're right it's not much of a difference between uh, Mac OS and Windows 10 Windows 10 is pretty good actually uh, it's just you get used to something and then you really are, are reticent to change but uh, I do have a hard time with Windows I guess it's it's but let's just say it's fine Macs aren't exactly perfect either with uh, when it comes to audio. I mean, actually, the, the Mac gave me no problems. I, I bought um, a new USB interface. Uh, it's a Tascam to do this whole podcast thing. It was, I was planning to buy this uh, interface later on, uh, but I decided to get it earlier since we got this idea to do this show. And um, worked great with the Mac, plug it in, everything sounds great. Uh, then I decided to uh, try it on uh, iOS with my phone. So I got one of those camera adapters. And with the new camera adapter actually has a lightning adapter as well. So you can plug it in and it should theoretically power a USB audio interface. It didn't in this case. So I went to the Apple store thinking that it could be just the fact that I have an older iPad plug that it was using. The adapter was a 10 watt one. And the guy at the Apple store was great. He let me uh, open and test one of their newer 29 watt adapters that go with the, uh, the MacBook. The little tiny MacBook, not the the new MacBook Pros. He let me open it, test it, and it didn't work either. So I decided, okay, I'll just uh, buy a USB hub. Got the USB hub from Amazon. A really good one. I like it. Uh, working well. Plugged it in. Light was on. Plugged it into the phone. It found the adapter. Uh, I found the, uh, it found the USB interface. I could plug in instruments. Getting the sound in, getting the sound out. Great. Go to plug in my awesome, um, yet old, 88-weighted uh, keyboard, and no MIDI. 
spent all about two hours trying to figure out why the MIDI wasn't working, and I got to the point where there was just nothing else to do. I had done everything properly. I checked all the settings. Everything was right. I don't really have anybody to call because I'm usually the person that people call for this type of problem. Which is something that both you and I uh, face on a uh, regular basis, I think. I know. What do the tech nerds do when they have the problem? I mean, I usually just go to Google, but it was a relatively obscure issue. I mean, nothing was... I couldn't find any any actual help with this. I mean, I have an, a 17, 18-year-old, actually... Yeah, it's eighteen. It's twenty seventeen. Yeah, it's twenty seventeen. Well, it's up to you to decide what year it is. <laughs> so I have a, I have an eighteen year old, uh, very good keyboard, but it wasn't working. But I mean, MIDI is MIDI, so it should have found it. It didn't. So then, all told, like how how long did you spend on this this weekend? So on Friday night, I spent a good two two and a half hours trying to get it to work, and then I just gave up and started playing. Uh, instead of uh, continuing to try and do this and drive myself crazy, I just played a thousand miles over and over and over again on the piano. Is that your go-to song these days to play? It's a lot. Of, well, because I never, I always loved it. And I was like, oh, I never really learned how to play it. And then I realized it's actually a really easy song to play. So I learned how to play that. And then I spent, I played that a bit. And then I spent a bit more time uh, the next day trying to get it to work. And I gave up again. But you, f- you found a solution. Well, um, not until I, uh, I gave up and spent half an hour playing the song from The Office over and over again. Um, you do realize that this is what serial killers do, right? <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah, you just continually same. practice the same songs that you've mastered already? And then uh, I'd actually never played The Office song. Uh, I just decided to try it. And then I was sitting on the couch watching uh, the new Bill Nye uh, special, which maybe we'll talk about uh, at a future date. Uh, on Netflix. I don't know if you knew that it was out. I knew it was out. I haven't had time to watch it yet. I've been busy, as I've been telling you, watching the quintessential Canadian teen drama, Ready or Not. Great job. <laughs> um, so I was sitting watching that, and I realized, wait a second, I have the old Rock Band controller. That had a MIDI out. Let me give it a try. So I go take a look, and I left batteries in it for about five or six years. So I had to get that fixed first. So I got that cleaned up, and I gave it a shot. And it works great on my Mac. I tried it because I, I didn't feel like bringing the giant keyboard upstairs to test it on my Mac. Works great on the Mac. So I know uh, it's definitely not that keyboard that's the problem. Plug it into my phone. Nope. Can't get MIDI into my phone. Everything else works. It's just MIDI. So I have no idea There's why. There's something blocking that. It's really odd. So you can't be the on-the-go musician you want to be. It's all right. I'm gonna, um, I haven't tested it with uh, my iPad mini, although it's a bit old. I'm going to try it also on my wife's iPad Air 2, which is a good, obviously good iPad, so I'll give it a try. I just haven't had a chance to give it that a shot. Perfect, and we'll do an update on uh, on another episode, hopefully, and I'll, I'll check in with you as to whether or not you're able to become that annoying man on the street who plays his guitar. Double Density presents the sounds of your youth. So welcome back to the Double Density Podcasts. And uh, so apart from tech, you and I both have a love um, and a sort of like weird admiration, I guess would be the best word for uh, the paranormal at large. Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, I don't think either of us actually believe anything paranormal is actually happening. It's more the fact that it's, it's, 
it's interesting to us uh, that people do think this is something uh, that can't really actually be explained one way or another. Um, but it's it's just fascinating. It's something that I like to call kook culture. Like, there's a lot of kooks out there who are peddling their own wares. And you and I have spent a lot of time um, talking about these kooks. Suffice it to say that we're both interested in weird things, mostly because of the 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 people who are both self... Uh, I'm trying to figure out the right word here. Like Self-angridizing, I guess, would be the best word to that, as well as um, delusional is another great word. <laughs> That's a really good word. And uh, with that in mind, we, we also picked something that uh, combines... Uh, both our love of technology as well as uh, the paranormal, uh, which is the Mobile Leprechaun uh, incident. So uh, Mobile, Alabama, 2006, March around St. Patrick's Day, a news report airs purporting that there's a leprechaun in a tree and swarms of locals gather to see. Someone in the report theorizes it's probably a crackhead. A local man also shows a news reporter uh, his special leprechaun fruit, which I think was your favorite part of yeah, the, the video. Yeah, was weird. You said fruit, I think. Yeah, I think you might want to flute. repeat that. You said fruit. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it kind of did look like a fruit, though, in my defense. <laughs> yeah, I guess. But it's, uh, yeah, he said it was a, yeah, go ahead. I'll let you say it again. A special leprechaun flute. And the video, uh, while aired locally, sort of didn't make a ripple. But then it sort of became one of the first original viral videos on YouTube in 11 years. It's amassed almost 30 million organic views. It's been lampooned on South Park, The Daily Show, and more. On its surface, it's very absurd to watch this and believe that people want to believe in this. And I don't know whether or not they're buying into the story or they're actually um, just making fun of everyone else who believes that there's a leprechaun in their neighborhood. Well, I so until you mentioned this to me and brought it up to me today, I had never heard of this. This was, I guess, at a time when I wasn't really thinking about... Uh, youtube and viral videos um do you know when it aired and when it ended up on youtube yeah so it aired in march 2006 and it ended up on youtube in march 2006 oh okay so it was one of those right away things um i don't think judging from the anchors reaction both of them i don't think they bought into the story i think it was just a fluff piece that they probably had in their pocket when it was a slow news day and decided to put it on there, but it was really funny. Well, shockingly, and I, this is the part that surprised me, there was a follow-up report done by some American broadcasters in 2014 where they identified the leprechaun in question. So they go back to the neighborhood and question the Crichton area, and they start questioning people, and it turns out um, it's a neighborhood figure uh, simply known as Midget Sean. So Sean, okay. so they, they find Sean, and they interview him, and he subsequently explains how he, it was a prank that he and his friends were playing, that he dressed up as a leprechaun, they told him to hide in a tree, and then his friends ran over to people in the neighborhood saying, hey, there's a leprechaun in a tree. Um, and so this sort of perpetuated the myth of the local Crichton leprechaun. That's absolutely bizarre, though, that it took them that long, first of all, to figure out somebody was actually doing it. But um, I guess, did he recognize himself in the sketch that uh, they showed? <laughs> well, that's another great aspect of this. And that's sort of one of the questions I want to get into um, later on about the idea of why this video went viral. But yeah, this peanut-shaped man with the simple hat, <laughs> the horrible sketch, is just is another facet of this great story. Also, something that you had noticed was the, the flip camera phone. Yeah, well, so they, they made a big deal of people saying... Um, of, uh, the reporter made a big deal of saying that people would show up with their uh, their cameras and even their cell phone cameras, and uh, to take video of it. It was, uh, it was kind of funny to hear that uh, it's early use of uh, cell phone cameras and cell phone cameras. I mean, this is pre iPhone, right? 
Um, well, yeah, it was a, it was a year out before the first iPhone. Pretty much right to the 2007. So this was 2006. Um, so everybody was still using really garbage phones. I mean, not that the, the iPhone, I don't think that your first iPhone could even shoot video. But um, yeah, they were all showing up with the hopes of catching this leprechaun. I mean, one man was hoping to uh, bring a backhoe to take down the tree that so he could find the, the leprechaun's pot of gold. Um, and so one of the more interesting parts was the uh, very earnest man with his uh, flute that had been passed down from generation to generation, thousands of years from his uh, Irish ancestors. I, uh, I don't know if you have any comments on that guy. The special thing about him is he's clearly African-American. While I don't disbelieve he may have some Irish blood inside of him, the idea that like there is enough Irish in his family in order to warrant the passing down of a magical leprechaun flute kind of surprises me. Making it all the way to uh, to Crichton, Crichton, Alabama. Alabama correct. It was, it was really, that was really odd. And he seemed so, um, he, had, he, believed he had a lot it. of conviction in that, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. See, so, so that's the thing that um, I think we're both interested with this, these kinds of topics is people that become so invested and so um, entrenched in uh, whatever it may be, ghosts, psychics, uh, UFOs. I mean, I think our favorites are all of the UFOs, right? Because there's some sort of thing. I mean, most um, scientists, uh, intelligent people, believe and understand that the likelihood of there being alien life forms somewhere in the universe is quite high considering how big the universe is. It's the fact that they would be visiting us where um, most um, people... And visiting us in such a way that it's almost predatory, right? Because yeah, I mean, it's all these abductions and um, mutilations, right? That um, is usually the usual narrative when it comes to UFO stories. Yeah, I always go back to a really um, old Neil deGrasse Tyson talk where it's almost a stand-up comedy routine about UFOs. It's it's fantastic. And he, he talks about it as in the exact same way I I about it is that there's probably aliens out there somewhere but they're not visiting us and if they are visiting us they're not going down to steal what's uh in all uh seem in all ways it's not the best and brightest of our people that they're taking seemingly right it's it's not like the 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 movie the day the earth stood still right where the ufo comes down right on the white house lawn exactly no, this whole thing right it's just it's the the uh, sleeping person in the middle of Ohio who gets snatched in the night. That have, they have nothing better to do, and they're trying to figure out a way to sort of get something. I mean, the thing is, some of these people seem really sincere about it, too. That's the thing that kind of bothers me, is I wonder what they are feeling and what they are seeing and what they are believing. Because in many cases, I don't doubt that somebody saw something. It's just that you and I would have the presence of mind to say, that's probably a satellite. That's probably an airplane. That's probably a UFO. Uh, UFO. No, it's not a UFO. <laughs> or if it is a UFO, it's a, it's a UFO that uh, in, in the sense of that it's... We've unknown, unknown, literally unknown, unknown exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, on the other side of the spectrum, there's someone like, uh, you know, Romanek, right, who... Suffice oh, it to guy. say, he is making a livelihood out of his sightings and, you know, whether or not he has seen things that's beyond sort of the scope of what I, I sort of zero in on, on the fact that he's trying to make a living out of his experiences is, is what bothers me a little bit about that kind of thing that he has people buy into him, right? And look, this is something I'm probably going to bring up way too often, but 
And it goes back to the, the Crichton Leprechaun where they talked about people coming with their camera phones. Well, that was in 2006. It's 2017. Everybody has a 4K camera in their pocket at this point in many cases. Like my phone can shoot 4K video. That's four times the, uh, the, the resolution of high definition. And why isn't anybody catching anything paranormal on these cameras? It's a very good point. You know, you want to answer that, you know, um, videos of rods. Why aren't people catching more rods, bro? I See, that's something we're going to have to come back to often because rods are one of the most important things of our lifetime. <laughs> really the discovery of a generation. Well, you know, to your point, I'd, I love to play devil's advocate. So here it goes. You ready for this one? And, I, and this is just to state uh, at the beginning, this is not something I necessarily believe in, but it's something that I've, I've heard said that, that um, so the 47 roswell crash a lot of the tech that we now have comes out of that being reverse engineered and part of that reverse engineering is that we can't even shoot what we see because their technology as it is um shields this kinds of recording uh from our alien overlords yeah that's possible <laughs> i'm sure i i feel uh, you're radiating uh confidence and positivity in my um set of statements well, right there so it's it's such a that's such a good it's the best type of logical fallacy right where you um you can kind of just brush everything away and make it fit your narrative so that you know where's the where's the evidence and well we can't get the evidence it's impossible to get fake news exactly just fake paranormal news right and I think you and I will have a lot of fun with that um, going forward but yeah I. I do enjoy the people involved, and I've explained this to to my girlfriend a lot, that I do enjoy um, the culture surrounding it, and I don't actually believe in much of it. And like you were saying, I do I believe that some people have seen something? Absolutely. That is not, you know, in question at all. But is it a genuine UFO in the classical sense of the word, the little green man or the little gray man coming out of a, a saucer-shaped vehicle and, you know, taking things or showing them weird signs or whatever? Um, I, I don't think that that is actually what is happening at all. And I mean, th- there are dozens of plausible explanations for a lot of the things that someone sees in the night skies, right? For sure. At the very least, a dozen, if not more. Most of the time, it's, it's in many cases, you know, why do you wonder, why did so many, why are there so many UFO sightings uh, near military bases? It's not because the aliens are attracted to the military bases. It's because there's these weird things that fly around military bases that you're not used to seeing. And when you're not used to seeing something, it really throws off your mind. So you, you kind of see, instead of seeing a helicopter, you see something moving strangely, but it's because of the angle you're approaching it at. Double density. Go back to them. Double Density Episode 1, and uh, we're nearing the end of the first episode. We've covered tech, we've covered the paranormal kooks, and now we're sort of, um, as you were saying, uh, putting a nice ribbon on the top of the first episode. Yeah, I think it's a lot of fun to cover these um, weird topics uh, with, with the paranormal and kind of tying it back to our enjoyment of technology. I think a lot of our shows are going to... Um, We'll we'll talk a lot about what's going on in tech presently, but maybe more obscure things. Or uh, I mean, we're not going to spend hours talking about iPhone rumors and uh, whether Samsung uh, S8 is better than the iPhone 7 or how fast uh, the next processor is going to be. 
Uh, we'll talk more about just what we enjoy, what we're liking, anything we're finding cool at the time. Obviously, uh, when there's a a big Apple announcement, we will talk about that because that's the most important thing in the world. <laughs> uh, uh, but and then we'll we'll I think we're gonna be hitting on different topics. We'll uh, we'll probably pick something to talk about every week. Yeah, I'm not. I'm very excited to sort of and as you put it, kind of look at tech through the lens of the past too. I think um, a lot of different podcasts tend to do tech news and that's fine, but I don't think that's necessarily what we're aiming to do with this. I feel more like we're kind of, you know, bringing up the present in order to sort of look at the past too, as well as sort of tie it to a lot of different paranormal things too at the same time. So I think there's like that happy marriage between tech, the paranormal and um, ways of bridging the two together as well as sort of talking about uh, topics that are very relevant to the present yeah, I'm, 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 nostalgia is important to me for some reason. I really like to look back at things and see how far we've come. And uh, that's something I think uh, either my kid likes to hear from me about or gets really annoyed when I talk about that stuff. Um, but she looks interested when I talk about it. I don't know if the boy's going to like that. He's only three. doesn't really care. He's more interested in watching trolls over and over again right now. Is that driving you insane? Shockingly, no. The music is actually pretty catchy, and it's it's a it's actually a well made, fun movie. So is that your recommendation of the week, right there? Yeah, trolls. Watch with trolls. Justin Timberlake and Anna Kendrick. With uh, with that song by Justin Timberlake. Yeah, he's he's um, the main star of the movie, and uh, it's, it's a fun little song. I mean, I used to be a lot more picky with my music, and now I'm a little more relaxed and uh, can enjoy different uh, types of things. Double density. This has been episode one of the Double Density Podcast with your hosts, Brian and Angelo. Tune in next week when we talk about the dangers of copying that floppy. See ya. Bye.